and welcome to the second episode of the Arctic Q Film Podcast with Ben and Jacob. Cue the music that we don't have yet, so once again, just imagine we've got it. Um, hopefully I'm not going to burp in this week's uh, episode either, because last week, at a really pivotal point of Ben's rant about something or other, I uh, thought I muted my microphone, took a swig of coke and did a massive burp. So once again, I do apologise about that. Uh, ben, you said out of all the things you thought could go wrong, that was not one of them. Yeah, no, like, because you prepare for these things, and we actually are working off a script. I know it didn't sound like it at <laughs> all last week, but um, you just think of everything that could go wrong. It records badly, this and that, and then he burps. Um, coming, up on, <laughs> coming up on today's podcast, we are going to be uh, reviewing A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Uh, we are also uh, going to be reviewing Little Fires Everywhere, uh, as well as talking about... Oh no, Ben's got a rant on the way uh, on today's podcast. Uh, but first, let's talk about Ruby Rose's shock exit from Batwoman after just one season. When this came out, I, I think I texted you about 12 o'clock at night, didn't I? And yeah, you didn't I open it until the next sleep. morning. You didn't open it until the next morning, and you seemed very shocked. I was I was so shocked. Yeah, um, I'm not an Arrowverse fan. I've watched bits right. of it here and there. Um, I am not overly shocked she left, but I was. it's one of those things. That is such a well-oiled TV franchise that you didn't expect them to lose their lead after the first season. Um, and the thing is, all the promo material, all the posters for Batwoman, uh, a good 90% of the posters just have Ruby Rose mm-hmm. on the front. No one else is purely just Ruby Rose. And uh, we were talking just before we started the podcast about how she's the biggest name the Arrowverse have signed to date. And uh, it didn't work out for them. It's similar um, to what happened in 2005 when they were rebooting Doctor Who. Because obviously right. they got Christopher Eccleston in, who was a big name and he's a great actor. And um, he left after one season because he fell out with the creators. So I reckon we might have a similar situation, but well, it's not to speculate uh, what's happened. No, but I read that uh, it was a mutual decision. Apparently Ruby Rose uh, found it very tough. Um, she wasn't aware of how much intense working she would have to do. Uh, she also lives in LA, but obviously the show is shot, shoots in Vancouver nine months of the year so i think it was just the workload which was uh, a bit of a shock to her not to mention that the fact that she was almost in a wheelchair um due to a stunt but again we don't know the exact reason but apparently it was mutual and the fact that she's an actual movie star who was looking at seven years ahead of um doing a tv show which has lots of people have been quite rude about unfairly on the internet today. i thought she did a smashing job i honestly thought she was brilliant i agree the few episodes i've seen of it i thought she nailed it but we're looking for a replacement now jacob who do you think we should have okay um well quick disclaimer they have said they are looking to cast someone within the lgbtq plus community um so I've actually uh, gone for Ashley Platt. I think that's how you pronounce her surname. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might not know of her. She's not a very well-known actor, but I'm a huge Arrowverse fan. And when uh, the show Batwoman first got rumoured, she was one of the leading actresses to be playing Ruby, uh, to be playing Ruby Rose, uh, to be playing Batwoman. And uh, back when it was first cast, her audition tape was actually released online and uh, having watched it it was very very good uh, so 
She's part of the LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus community. Uh, she's fairly unknown, which I think in a way is a good thing. It might not pull new people in, but Ruby Rose has done a good job of pulling loads of people to the show initially. Uh, and I reckon Ashley Platts will be able to keep that audience. And this way, because she's not that known, she probably will be able to move in va- move to Vancouver uh, because she might not have loads of other commitments going on, which I think will be really good. She looks not too dissimilar to Ruby Rose, which I think is um, is a good thing. Um, and as I mentioned, she was involved in the original casting process, and she actually tweeted on Thursday. Um, she tweeted her original casting video with the hashtag Throwback Thursday. So she's obviously tweeting about it. I, I'd assume she's probably down for it because she went for it originally. And I just think she'd be great. I, I honestly do. Yeah, so um, I am not really familiar with Ashley Platts, but um, I don't think that's necessarily worked against her. I mean, lots of the Arrowverse stars haven't been particularly famous going into it. I mean... Mm-hmm. Who's the guy who plays Arrow? I've never seen him in anything outside Arrow. Oh, what's his name? Um, um, Stephen Amell. Amell. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, then Grant Gustin and Melissa Bernholtz. Oh, Grant Gustin was known, to be fair, through Glee. Yeah, those two are, well, he was only in a couple of episodes of Glee. The person who plays Superwoman, uh, girl, Melissa Bernholtz, she was a lead in Glee for a bit. So those two were mainly known off that show, but that's probably not the same Arrowverse audience, let's be honest about it. Yeah. Um, but Although they did do an Arrowverse Glee-esque kind of episode. They did a musical crossover yeah, between Darren, Flash and Supergirl. Darren Chris was in that as well, wasn't he? You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I'm assuming you said. Um, <laughs> now, I think she would nail the role from what I've heard and what you've just said. Um, now, my pick, I think, is a little bit controversial, and I do okay. have my reasonings why I picked her. Firstly, I decided against Stephanie Beatrix. Um, oh, she was actually my original, my original pick. Yeah, she is great. She's from Brooklyn Nine Nine, and she's been in plenty of other stuff. I mean, she's excellent at the dramatic and the comedic, which would make her perfect for a show like Batwoman. Mm-hmm. But I just actually the reason I didn't pick her was I don't want her to quit Brooklyn Nine Nine to do Batwoman. <laughs> so I I couldn't lose her off my favourite comedy and she's rumoured to be in the talks for Marvel's Bat uh, no not Batwoman uh, Hulk Girl TV I show read that. and I think that shows both a better fit for her but also probably a better move for her career so um, um, another sorry another problem I had with her is the race issue uh, like I said I think she's a, an incredible actor but would they want to go someone which didn't exactly look like Ruby Rose and also uh, the character of Batwoman has a twin sister in the show as well, and the actor, actress for that is not leaving. So would it work having two people of uh, different ethnic minorities? I'm not sure. Um, and I think there would be a lot of backlash because of that, but I do think she would do a smashing smashing job. Uh, but your choice, Ben, is? Um, I have went for Hannah John Carmen, who's, who's a name people don't actually know about, but you would recognise her face. Um, her most famous role is Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp, so she's already been the bad guy in a huge Marvel film. But she's also got real act, uh, action pedigree. She's been in Star Wars, she's been in Game of Thrones, she was in The Stranger earlier well, this Wars year. Was she in? 
uh, The Force Awakens, but she was only a small role, and that film had every actress. Was she part of the Resistance? Um, I don't remember it. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Um, and she led The Stranger on Netflix, which came out earlier this year. So she's great. She's also one of the only actresses to have appeared in multiple Black Mirror episodes. So oh, wow. we're talking about someone of real quality here. She was in Playtest and Fifty Million Merits. If you're a Black Mirror fan, now she isn't LGBTQ plus, and I am normally a huge advocate of um, LGBTQ plus actors and LGBTQ plus roles. I mean, since 1994, more actors have been nominated. No, more actors have won Oscars playing LGBT plus roles than LGBT plus actors have been cast Hollywood does have a huge problem with its representation so I do feel a bit awful saying I think she's great but there are some good things about her she is a huge LGBT plus ally and Russell T Davis who in my opinion is the kind of guy who got um, stories about that community on screen he did Queer as Folk he's wrote Cucumber he's wrote Banana He's worked with John Carmen before. He speaks a world of her. And if you haven't seen her episode with Banana, it came out six years ago. It is fantastic. And I remember watching that episode and going, this woman is going to be big. It's, she's funny. She's brilliant. She's got all the great actresses. And I just think whoever gets the role of Batwoman will take so much stick no matter what. Because uh, yeah. lots of people are really uncomfortable with certain parts of the character. And it's a role that really does show off the darker side of the internet. And I just fear that the Arrowverse has done so much... Ruby Rose as well. Yeah, the, the Arrowverse has done so much for representation more than any other like franchise in TV. And I think mm. they can actually say Hannah John Carmen would be the there's, best. There's gay, uh, well, members of the LGBTQ plus in every Arrowverse show. Yeah, and every single one of them. Greg Belanti is a member of that community himself. He's the guy who directed Love Simon, which is a great film if you haven't seen it. So he is really open about it. But I, if you look at the IMDb reception and lots of social media reception for Ruby Rose, there were lots of um, white males who were older who were slagging her off because she doesn't represent them and they have been represented for far too long. And I do not want to see any LGBTQ plus actor get their big break and be slagged off again like Ruby Rose has had. That's why I know it's a safe choice. I know it's a win decision. But that's why I could only see myself picking Hannah John Carmen. And from one slightly angry and emotional rant about <laughs> yeah, the darker side of the internet. Second, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just... Deep breath. No, it just it does annoy me. You got me. into that. I did, because it is something I'm really passionate about, yeah, and I really so, I dislike going against my morals, but I just... You just don't want to see someone face the amount of stick that Ruby arguably got. Yeah, and I think there are very few actresses who would get, avoid that stick, so that's my problem. Um, now, talking about online hate, over the last couple of years, there has been lots about the Snyder Cut over the internet ever since Zack Snyder announced it was a thing and we finally have confirmation this week it's coming his version of Justice League is being released in 2021 on HBO Max and I have to admit I don't think it's a great idea so there's a number of things why I don't think it's good 
Um, firstly, I'm a huge fan of Batman versus Superman, which was Snyder's oh, yeah. I didn't like it, you know. Yeah, I am of that weird small persona who actually really liked that film. I just I found it to, fun I and entertaining. Cin- uh, I went to see it in the cinema with my cousin, and uh, yeah, we, we didn't love it. I think my cousin was even on his phone for the majority of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I... I have to admit, it's a bad film, it's got problems, but I secretly found myself enjoying it. And that's why, on paper, I was actually looking forward to Zack Snyder returning to the Justice League. Um, he left the production about 75% of the way through because of family okay. tragedies. Um, obviously, our hearts and our thoughts are with him and were with mm-hmm. him when it happened. But Joss Whedon came on, he's the guy who made The Avengers, and he made a film or helped finish the post-production, the production of a film that for the most part made sense. It wasn't the best film around, but it wasn't as awful as it could have been. And I just, I worry that there are so many people who've got their hopes up and are really excited to see the Snyder Cut because they've been teased it for so long. And in actual fact, we're going to see, what, five minutes of new footage. There's going to be very little different in that film because they're not going back into full production. It will be more like watching a director's cut of a film, or it will be watching a director's cut of a film. We're not going to have a magically new, much better film. The exact same cast, the exact same crew will have worked on it, apart from what Joss Whedon did. And from what you, I've heard, what Joss Whedon did saved the film, or made the film slightly watchable. So I think a lot of people have got their hopes up for a film that might not be that much better than what we got. Did you just hear that crash? Uh, yeah, I did just hear that. Yeah, sorry about that. So uh, I just knocked my lamp over. Last week I burped. This week I uh, knocked my lamp over. Maybe next week's the week. Yeah. Next Moving week. on then, Ben. Uh, have you been watching Little Fires Everywhere? Do you want to speak to us about that? Yeah. Um, so Little Fires Everywhere, I actually think, is kind of a great little show. Um, so it's, Is it on Netflix? It's on it? Amazon. It's from Hulu if you're in the US but us what kind of genre is uh, is this show um it's a kind of it's like the little subgenre of shows which are middle upper class american women doing really catty things to each other Funny. and then you have a drama mystery it's a bit like big little lies if you're a fan of that show <laughs> um the movie it sounds mental is it proper american telly uh it's brilliant it's actually brilliant, so I wouldn't call it proper American telly. It's is that uh, saying that American telly's not good? No, I'm just saying American telly's traditionally like, oh, we'll do 24 episodes for seven seasons and it will be of varying quality, <laughs> uh, every Arrowverse show ever. But it's oh, much, I see what you did it's there. Much <laughs> I knew, I, I was thinking, oh, which show, which show's got seven seasons and 23 episodes? Initially, I thought Modern Family, that's 11, of 20, 11 seasons of 23 episodes. I see what you did there. Yeah, the um, Little Fires Everywhere. That's not on. Take that back. <laughs> Little Fires Everywhere is only eight <laughs> episodes. It's one season. It's a self-contained story, and I'll explain what the show's actually about. It stars the acting and Hollywood legends of Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington in it, and they play kind of two families who kind of end up at a bit of a war. So, uh, Reese Witherspoon's character, she lets her house or her parents' house out to Kerry Washington, who's a single mum, she's an artist, she's also 
of colour and I'm not trying to sound racist but the whole film's about the difference, the show's about the difference of class and the difference of colour and how that affects people's actions. Anyway, we know from the very opening shot of the film, Reese Witherspoon, her family home has burnt down and the entire show is about who lit the fire. Was it one of Witherspoon's traumatised teenage kids? And they are a few really freaky teenage kids and that's her. She's not a very good mother in this show. Or was it Kerry Washington who was brought on as her kind of maid, for a better, lack of a better word, and was a pretty problematic addition to their house? And I was gripped. It's based off the best-selling novel. I thought it was brilliant. I was really excited when I watched it, and I want to see what goes on. I haven't finished it. I think the mystery's good. I've heard lots of people rave about the ending. So I think... If you've got any spare time this week, try and catch Little Fires Everywhere. So, are you watching that at the minute? Is that what you've been watching this week? Um, I started watching it, and it's not due to lack of not wanting to watch it. It's right. because of the podcast. And also, if you want to read the reviews, I do all the reviews on the website. and except you can the Except the one which Jacob wrote. Uh, and you can see that, actually, that requires me to watch a lot of TV. <laughs> so, uh, I just didn't find time to get back to it but i'm certainly when i get some time get finish off that show and get to the last few episodes what else have you been watching is it just been that because like you said you do watch a lot so the second season of homecoming was released on friday um the first season was great on amazon uh Mm -hmm. the second season is it an amazon original yeah we they we had two amazon originals this week and which yeah it's unheard of and i thought why have they got two? And then I noticed Homecoming season two was not very good. The first season <laughs> was the first season was actually one of the best things on TV in 2018, and it had a huge push by Amazon, and it had Julia Roberts leading it. And the second season, Roberts has quit. They replaced her with Jolette, Janelle Monet, who's excellent. Honestly, I'm not entirely sure where the story went because I turned it off after about three episodes. She I didn't just love was it. Was not a fan. No, it lost all of the cool stuff the first season had, and just. What do you define as cool stuff? <laughs> um, the first season had a four by three cinematic ratio and was shot very well and had a really cool speak narrative. English? I was. I speak English for people like me. Four by three cinematic. You know when you're watching a film and there's like a little square box and the action is in the box and then the black around it. Yeah. Um. So it had some of that and. The first season had a really compelling narrative. And I'm going to refer it back to Little Fires Everywhere. I do not want to see a second season of Little Fires Everywhere because it's such a great self-contained narrative that I don't think it would work. And I think that was the Is problem with like Homecoming. Is it like 13 Reasons Why? Um, I loved the first season, second season, never got on with it. Uh, and obviously uh, that's still going today. Is it like one of those situations where potentially they shouldn't have renewed it? Yeah, um, I don't think they should have renewed Homecoming. Um, and it's not because it wasn't a success for Amazon. I just don't think there was anywhere for the story to go. The right. first season was such a great series. I can Would you suggest me trying to get on with 13 Reasons Why Season 2 or, or, or not? No. No. <laughs> but I That's have, what everyone has said. That is a very I have plenty opinion. of problems with 13 Reasons Why as a show. Should we save that for next week? Um, well, its final season's coming out some point next month so uh, oh, wow. <laughs> we might maybe i'll get into them at some point there uh 
Dune's looking like a great mount for TV. Um, but no, I'm not even sure where we are at with this podcast at the moment. Well, we are now moving on to our final review of the podcast uh, this week. Uh, a beautiful day in the neighbourhood. Yeah, um, now we are living in quite trying times at the moment. Um, it's been really difficult for everyone and emotions are actually quite high and lots of people are struggling. And yesterday uh, on iTunes and your Amazon, you could buy a rent uh, one of the most heartwarming films of this year, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. It was released in cinemas in January and lots of people will have saw it then. Basically, the premise is you've got Tom Hanks, the lovable... Great actor. Great actor. I love everything he's in. He just... There's a way you feel about Tom Hanks, isn't there? He's impossible not to love. Anyway, he's playing an American children's TV host, Mr. Rogers. I wasn't familiar with him. I Were you familiar with him, Jacob, or do you know? No, I, I mean, I haven't watched uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Yeah, and fundamentally, we're both British, and we were both born around the time of Mr. Rogers' <laughs> death. So um, we came in, So I came into this completely fresh. Um, and... He clearly is this lovable children's TV host who used to talk to people and get their problems and listen. And he tried to teach children empathy and love and a range of emotions, but talking to them as if they understood it instead of talking down. Anyway, you have this investigative journalist called Lloyd Vogel, um, played by Matthew Reese off the American fame, and he is told he's going to investigate a give an interview to Mr Rogers for a Heroes Week and Lloyd Vogel's known for doing some quite nasty journalism he's quite <laughs> rude to everyone he talks about he writes horrible things and he originally views talking to Mr Rogers as a puppy and his wife says oh my god I d- you're covering Mr Rogers Lloyd I don't want you to ruin my childhood which shows just how high esteem Mr Rogers is held to so many people and anyway Mr Vogel goes and he interviews Mr Rogers and they form a friendship and it changes his life for the better. And look, the whole reason most lots of this film got talked about was because of Mr. Rogers. Uh, no, because of Tom Hanks. He is perfect <laughs> in this film. He was nominated for an Oscar. It's just the way I personally feel about Tom Hanks. I know most of the world population feel this way. You can't help but smile when he's on screen and when he's playing such a charming when he's playing such a charming and charismatic character, he just lights everything up. And when Tom Hanks talks, you listen and he's brilliant in the film. Um also it's excellently directed by Marianne Heller. She did Can You Ever Forgive Me last year, which made a bit of an Oscar splash. She did the diary of a teenage girl a few years ago. I was going to say a diary of a wimp. No, and I do genuinely believe if Marianne Heller was a bloke, she would have two Oscar Best Director noms, and she would have two Best Picture noms for Can You Ever Forgive Me in a Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Really? And I think, yeah, I think the Academy were very sniffy about this film, quite wrongly, because it was one of the most heartwarming things. And I felt very moved by the movie, and I was watching it on my own at about 11 o'clock in the day. Out of so, all three uh, that you've reviewed on today's uh, podcast, the uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood definitely uh, strikes me as the one that I want to go and watch the Yeah, watch. both that and Neil Fires Everywhere. What's it on? Is it on Prime? Um, you would have to buy it somewhere, but I or rent it, but I don't think that's anything against it, because no. get your whole family around you, watch it together, and you'll be smiling, and 
all the worry that people have to deal with because of lockdown and quarantine. And I reviewed Snowpiercer this morning uh, and that made them even worse. And I just feel like this is an antidote for everything that's gone wrong. Um, quickly, I know I said I was going to end it, but I do want to talk about another film that's on Netflix, if okay. that's okay. It's called The Lovebirds. It's by, um, or it's starring Camille Nanjiani, who was the lead in The Big Sick, which he wrote with his wife. And he's teamed up with the director of The Big Sick as well. If you haven't seen The Big Sick, that was one of my favourite films of 2017. There's also Issa Rae, Issa Rae, who's been in the TV show Insecure. So you have a good group of people. Now, Nanjiani and Ray are playing a couple and they've got together but it's quite clear their relationship has not worked out and they are sitting in a car and they break up after about five minutes of continuous on-screen argument and in the way only films do when they break up they manage to hit someone with their car <laughs> and the guy Sorry. and the no, bicyclist I, I laugh, yeah you shouldn't uh, laugh when you say in the way only films yeah, do. It, it's this movie Very is original, full of, I must say. This movie is full of plot, plot conveniences. It is as cliche as every other Netflix original, yeah. but it is just so fun to watch. Um, anyway, the cyclist who they've hit looks completely unhinged and gets up and cycles on. Then into their car dives, dives someone who claims to be an undercover police officer in uh, normal people's clothes. And then they have a huge car chase chasing down the bicyclist. And it ends up with the police officer in their car catching the bicyclist and then proceeding to run him over four times. And suddenly we're left with a situation where Isaray and Camille Nanjiani have suddenly realised they look like they have just completely killed someone and they go on the run. Now, I don't want to say anything more about this film's plot. It's 85 minutes. It is a very fast 85 minutes. It's a very funny 85 minutes. You'll feel much better after watching it. Like a beautiful day yeah, in the neighbourhood. It's on Netflix. Um, it's got some really funny gags that, like, parts of this film are really cliche, but there are genuinely some bits that you couldn't write. I mean, there is a 15-minute set piece that takes the piss out of the Stanley Kubrick film, um, Eyes Wide Shut. So it's and there's a great gag about whether orgies are planned or not. So, so there's some really funny parts of this film. I would say not everyone will love it, but for me, it filled a niche. It's a great rom-com. Maybe watch it with your parents. Maybe don't. <clears throat> Is it a maybe don't? No, I would say it's not the best film you'll watch, but you'll smile after it. So what else can you want? Amazing. Well, that is it uh, on this week's Articu Film Podcast. We'll be back next week. We upload these on Tuesday. We upload then. Uh, Wednesday, I think. Wednesday. Our upload day. Yeah, we upload on Wednesdays. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do get in touch. If there is a particular film or TV show you would love us to check out, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, we uh, would. I can't wait to get some funny emails, to be honest. Saying, oh, that Jacob died. Jacob Guy burped in the first episode and knocked his lamp over in the second. He's Saying, great. Oh my god, you should sack Jacob then. Would you? <laughs> if you got enough complaints, would you? No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> on that note, well, let's wrap up today's podcast. Yeah, um, honestly, listen next time, tell your friends. We just, we like talking about film, and as long as we can continue, I think we will. So, see you soon. Bye. Bye.